0: Health Matters with Laura Kopeck focuses on matter of health and why our health matters and how we can take matters of our health into our own hands. I am your host, Laura Kopeck, and today we are going to talk about COVID-19, Day Zero, what we can do before infection. I am sure most of us are quite familiar with COVID-19, its history, and its global spread, so I won't go into any of those details. I will give a quick refresh on symptoms since it will be relevant to our discussion today. The most common symptoms are runny nose, cough, shortness of breath, and fever. Approximately 50% of individuals with the virus are having gastrointestinal symptoms. They include vomiting and diarrhea. Children can be infected in case you have heard otherwise, but most children present less serious symptoms. Currently, it is believed that once you have the virus, you develop antibodies, which make a repeat infection not possible. But that information could change over time as we learn more about the virus. Individuals with certain blood types are not immune. This virus can affect any blood type. And taking only one thing like vitamin C or zinc most likely will not be enough And that is one of the reasons we are discussing all our options today. Viruses are adaptable. In fact, some viruses begin adapting within 15 minutes of entering the body. So the information surrounding this virus has in fact been changing. Currently, this is a contact virus, meaning it lives on the surface of clothing, hair, and surfaces like cardboard, plastic, metals and can live for days on some of these surfaces. It can be found on door handles, light switches, boxes delivered to your house and under our fingernails. If we touch an infected surface and the infection is now on our hands and then we touch the body like our mouth, our nose, our eyes, we have most likely given the virus access to our body and the potential for infection. Hygiene as prevention is more than washing our hands. It is about awareness. It is about treating our home as a potential carrier if we do not change our clothes, wipe down our packages, and anything else that comes in contact with the general public. Once someone in our house is sick, we then have to again consider the house as a potential carrier. The reason we did not have to wear a mask previously, but now we do, is that even though it is considered a contact virus, the virus can exist in a drop of saliva Or droplets from a sneeze or a cough that can float in the air for up to three hours. So imagine you approach a shopping aisle and it's empty but was only empty 30 minutes prior and the person that was in the aisle 30 minutes prior coughed but was grabbing a box of cereal at the same time and coughed haphazardly into his arm or did not cover at all because there was no one around. The other point to consider is currently it has been determined some individuals can be carriers without symptoms, spreading the virus to others. And others can be infectious to others during day one through five, but before symptoms can occur. The virus can live in the mouth and throat for three to four days before entering the lungs. So a person may experience no symptoms or a slight throat tickle before they are truly aware they are infected. But what about before day one? Global strategies for reducing the burden on our healthcare system include social distancing, sheltering in place, business closure, washing hands, and wearing masks. But what about the important discussion of strategies within our own personal self-care as another real and viable strategy to reduce the burden on our healthcare system? Let's talk about those. There are several areas of health that will influence and impact how a virus plays out in a person. They are a person's diet and lifestyle, which can lead to nutritional deficiencies. Their gut health, which can lead to nutritional deficiencies. Their current imbalances in their health, such as any diagnosed illness and disease. And a person's genetics, which can lead to nutritional deficiencies. Let's talk about genetics first, since it will inform what direction and considerations to take in the other areas. This virus is most likely entering the body through an angiotensin-converting enzyme receptor 2, abbreviated as ACE2. It is a receptor gene that plays an important role in cardiovascular and renal health. These receptors exist in the mouth, on the tongue, in the gums, When there is gingivitis, in the throat, the small intestine, the colon, the kidneys, and the bladder. Once the virus enters the body through the ACE2, the ACE2 is also responsible for signaling the immune system to go on the attack. So it's not all bad having the ACE2 open for business, if you will. Once the virus enters the receptor gene, it fuses with two other kinds of genes. These fusion genes are found in many other tissues in the body. Once fusion occurs, those cells are then manipulated into making more viral cells. At the same time, additional alerts are sent to the immune system from these fusion cells. From there, a host of different genes act as both a pro-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory response. These genes help regulate whether the immune response is balanced or overactive or underactive. When the immune system is imbalanced, the immune response may be compromised or activate certain types of reactions. One is called cytokine storm. Cytokine storm exists when the cytokine-coded genes react in overdrive. They alert the immune system to attack the virus. But sometimes this causes hyperinflammation. Other genes involved with the viral attack include genes regulating natural killer cells, antioxidant activity, nitric oxide production, hydrogen peroxide and oxygen production, and minerals. These genes have helped me understand our immune system, and from there, what we should consider as part of a good immune support protocol. While it is good to have your genetic report done, it is not necessary to have your personal genetic report in order to have a good immune-boosting protocol. A good protocol is going to be informed by, one, supporting the nutrients that are necessary to support any imbalance that might exist in your genetics, two, supporting any current imbalances in your own health and reduce overall inflammation in your body, three, to support a good working gut, Four to support a diet and lifestyle that offers as much immune support as possible. When you do this, the healing energy of the body is rich in immune-fighting nutrients, and the healing energy of the body is not absorbed in fighting high level of inflammation. Or the body potentially going into overdrive because it fights inflammation on a regular basis with the inflammatory foods we eat and the personal habits we have. Let's talk about those nutrients, antioxidants. Otherwise known as free radical scavengers, these substances are found in many fruits and vegetables and can prevent or slow damage to cells. Your body also uses free radicals to fight infection, but we need a balance of antioxidants and free radicals for the immune response to work properly. When free radicals outnumber antioxidants, we exist in a state of oxidative stress. Oxidative stress can contribute to a lower immune system function, as well as leave the body vulnerable to illness and disease. Oxidative stress can also damage DNA. One powerful antioxidant is called hydroxytyrosol. It is a powerful free radical scavenger. It is both fat and water soluble, so it has the highest bioavailability of any antioxidant. It is the only one to cross the blood-brain barrier, which means it gets to free radicals in the central nervous system. Hydroxytyrosol can be found in olive oil, olive leaf extract, and both black and green olive. The next antioxidant is glutathione. Glutathione is found in these foods, cabbage, apples, walnuts, broccoli, spinach, avocado, carrot, Brussels sprouts, and turmeric. Glutathione can be found in supplement form as well. Nitric oxide is found in most every cell in the body. It is a vasodilator. Vasodilation helps widen the blood vessels, which bring more blood into the body. Our blood brings more oxygen and nutrients further into the body. This is essential to our immune system. Nitric oxide foods include beets, watermelon, garlic, cabbage, nuts, seeds, citrus, and honey. In fact, four teaspoons of honey in a day can increase our nitric oxide by 50%. Since cardiovascular disease is one of the high-risk underlying health conditions affected by COVID-19, Nitric oxide, to help widen the blood vessels, should be an essential part of self-care. Since vasodilation in turn brings more oxygen into the body, and any upper respiratory infection may deprive the body of oxygen, it makes sense to eat more nitric oxide foods. Other nutrients, such as vitamin C, vitamin A, zinc, copper, selenium, and iron, are important nutrients in boosting our immune system. Vitamin C can be found in foods like cantaloupe, broccoli, citrus, pineapple, watermelon, blueberries, and kiwi. Vitamin A can be found in foods like cantaloupe, carrot, sweet potato, grapefruit, peas, bell peppers, salmon, and kiwi. Zinc foods, lentils, garbanzo beans, pinto beans, black beans, garlic, kale, and mushrooms. Copper foods are leafy greens, lentils, sesame seeds, sunflower seeds, and cashews. Selenium can be found in mushrooms, brown rice, fish, nuts, and seeds. Iron foods, white beans, lentils, spinach, apples, bananas, peas, broccoli, sweet potatoes, and of course, meats and seafood. I also want to give honorable mention to two foods. The onion. Onions contain antioxidants, reduce inflammation, may decrease triglycerides, lower cholesterol, lower high blood pressure, and may protect against blood clots. And since we are social distancing, it's a pretty good time to increase eating onions and garlic. The lemon. Lemons are high in vitamin C may reduce risk of heart disease, improve iron absorption, help with kidney issues and digestive issues. Healthy meals that boost our immune system do not have to be expensive or fancy. Cabbage is one of the most nutritious vegetables and is very affordable. Foods can go even farther if made into soups. If you consume more soups containing onions, garlic, spices, cabbage, you're getting a wealth of an immune boost. Soups are easier to digest and make the nutrients more bioavailable. If you use antiviral spices like oregano, sage, basil, lemon balm, rosemary, peppermint, and ginger, you have added even more immune support with little effort. You can do herbal teas with peppermint, lemon balm, fennel, ginger. You can add some honey. A quick mention about supplements. They can bring some of these nutrients into your body in concentrated form, but ultimately I recommend you speak to a practitioner or health educator like myself with a strong education and supplement recommendation. And consider the price point as well. There are a number of good quality supplements at a reasonable price, as well as some very poor quality. If you have purchased a supplement at the grocery store without knowing if the brand is a good one, I recommend you do a quick home test. Take about an inch of white vinegar in a glass and drop one of your vitamins in the vinegar. Set a timer for 20 minutes. Check the vitamin in 20 minutes, and if it is not soft and mushy and ready to be absorbed, then the vitamin is of no use to you and will not be absorbed in your stomach. Let's spend a brief moment on foods that do more harm than good. Foods containing artificial ingredients, chemical ingredients, foods high in sugar, refined vegetable oils, and white flour suppress the immune system and can lead to a greater difficulty overcoming an infection. The body expends energy during digestion. And if the body energy during digestion is overwhelmed with toxic foods or inflammatory foods, the energy the body needs in the immune system and in healing may be compromised. There are many diets that will give you good ideas for meals. Diets like Whole30 or AIP, which is autoimmune paleo, or paleo. Some of these may feel too restrictive or do not fit your budget during this time so modify the diet as you see fit. Just make sure you are eating as clean as possible and rich in natural color vegetables. Oral care. As mentioned earlier, if the virus receptors exist in our mouth on our tongue and gums, good oral care is not just about our teeth. It is about using a mouth rinse to help kill the virus as it enters the mouth. One way is to use toothpaste or mouthwash containing the antiviral herbal extracts or gargling with food grade hydrogen peroxide diluted with water. HZ Solfeggio Frequency Music Solfeggio is a six tone scale used in ancient healing and religious practices. Recently, studies are being conducted and using certain frequencies to destroy abnormal cells, including viruses. These kinds of music make a great meditative selection while you do deep breathing. YouTube has a great selection in the different tones to listen to, if you want to experiment with these sounds. Deep breathing. Deep breathing is important for many reasons. Deep breathing reduces anxiety by reducing the fight or flight response in the body. Shallow breathing sends a message to the body that the body may be less healthy. Exercising your lungs is important when faced with a high contagious upper respiratory infection. And you can visualize your breath reaching the bottom of your lungs, sweeping out debris, and exhaling and sweeping the debris right out of your lungs. Sleeping. We all know rest is an important part of getting better, but adequate sleep is an important part of prevention. Not only does a lack of sleep increase anxiety, depression, and an increased risk for Alzheimer's, but when we sleep, our body is not awake, which means more of the body's energy can be spent on healing and recovery and reducing inflammation. Intermittent fasting and hydration fasting just means to go without if someone gives up meat on fridays they are actually fasting fasting does not mean you have to give up all food with that being said the less we eat during sickness the more our body is able to direct its energy away from digestion and toward healing and recovery we naturally are fasting during sleep and nature provided for this as melatonin our natural sleep hormone reduces insulin production, so we are hardwired to avoid foods during darkness and sleep. A great preventative measure during this time of high contagion is to avoid eating after 9 p.m. Late night eating is some of the worst eating practices anyway. And if you want to extend the intermittent fast, add an hour or two and stop eating at 7 p.m., If you become symptomatic, it is important to prioritize nutrients found in vegetables. But complicated foods, especially inflammatory foods like processed foods, grains, even dairy and sugars should be avoided when you're sick. Eggs, which can promote a viral spread, should also be avoided. Simple broths, steamed vegetables and herbal teas can help reduce the energy on digestion and bring important healing minerals into your body. In conclusion, there is much about the state of the world we cannot control and about the virus we cannot control, but we can become educated on all the different ways we can have more control over our self-care and personal care. Our nutrition matters at an even deeper level than ever before. If we can become proactive in improving our immune system, why wait until day one before we do something for our immune system? Let's start long before day one, and let's flatten our own curve of inflammation. I am your host, Laura Kopek, and today's episode was a discussion of what areas we can focus on for greater self-care prior to a viral infection, and how we might influence our immune system in order to take charge of our own health. Thank you for listening and join us again for another episode of Health Matters with Laura Kopeck.